0: Welcome to the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd, Pelham, Alabama podcast. Let us pray. Most gracious Heavenly Father, you have blessed us with great gifts that you've given to us. As your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to redeem a people. And he has ascended now, Lord, into his glory. But you leave us not alone, but you fill us with the eternal love. Of the Holy Spirit. Fill us now, Lord, as we prepare to hear your word and receive the gifts you left us in the form of bread and wine. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Please be seated. Now, we've all heard the saying at some points that a house divided cannot stand. Abraham Lincoln is typically well known for making this statement, but it actually comes from Scripture. A house divided cannot stand, and a family cannot be united unless it's first bound by a common love. Now, a building is only as secure as the foundation that it is built upon, and so too is it true of the local church of Christ Jesus, his body. So let's turn to Ephesians 4, printed there in your bulletin. Ephesians 4, as we continue hearing about the relentless surrender that we are called to, about surrendering ourselves, our lives, our souls, the entirety of who we are, to the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of going from being slaves to our own sin and our own passions, to being slaves of righteousness, servants of the Most High God, of the true King of heaven and earth. St. Paul begins in chapter 4. I, therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which you have been called. If you recall from last week's lesson, for the past two weeks, we have been called to walk in newness of life. We have been called with this great call from God Almighty. That it is by grace you are saved through faith. And even this is a gift of God freely given to us. In verse 2, he continues with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. Friends, we have been called together in this room, not in this church but gathered as the church of God. And we are called to be bound together in love. For as we heard from 1 John so many weeks ago, that God is love and we are called to be bound together in love, which is being made manifest through a humble and gentle life with one another, of patiently bearing with one another, patiently bearing with one another. And that in and of itself is just as much a sermon to myself as it is to all of us. For we live in a world that's rush, rush, rush. Even now as I preach, I feel this, this the so-called smartwatch, buzzing off, trying to delay me and engage my mind away from what I am doing. That's the life that we live in. But we are supposed to be patiently bearing with one another, not busily hurrying to and fro, using people, as a means to an end, much less using God as a means to an end. And this call that we will keep this unity, that we will keep this peace, is provided by the Spirit of God. Not worked up inside ourselves, not pulled by our own bootstraps, but is worked through the Spirit of God Himself. Now in context, Paul is talking here to the church of Ephesus the Gentiles and to the Jews have found themselves together, united by the great plan of God, united by God's grace. Gentiles and Jews would have nothing to do with each other, united together in Christ. But Paul is also speaking to us here today. Unity in the body of Christ, the gathering of his church, requires a unity in his spirit. Not a diversity of spirits. Not glorifying in our own personal strengths. Not glorifying in our own personal opinions. But a true unity. A true unity in the one Spirit of God. Now our human bodies have one Spirit. One body and one Spirit. And the same is true of Christ's body, the church. One body, one Holy Spirit. So if we are not of the Holy Spirit, then we are not of Christ's body. So listen to me, church. Listen to me. The body of Christ is not possessed by multiple spirits that are in disagreement. There's no such thing as dual integrities within a Christ church. As St. Paul tells us in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit. Just as you are called to the one hope that belongs to your call, that hope. Of resurrection to eternal life. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's a theme here, isn't it? One God and Father of all, who is over all, and through all, and in all. But this oneness, this singleness of mind, this unity is scandalous, isn't it? It's offensive to the prevailing zeitgeist, the spirit of the age that wants to cause chaos and confusion in the Western world and the Western church. Today, it's trendy and it's acceptable to accept multiple so-called truths in the name of upholding the individual self over the faith once delivered by the one true God. Even within the church itself, under the veneer and in the name of something that sounds innocent, like tolerance, diversity, about being afraid of being offensive to others, of wanting to be seen as nice, we see ministers and we see laity compromising or even denying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And why? In order to seek a false unity. A unity that is based on competing truths. When there's only one way, one truth, one life, the crucified and resurrected Jesus Christ. For Proverbs tells us this, remove not the ancient boundaries that your fathers have set. But we like to move the boundaries. We like to say that boundary was set so long ago, times have changed. Things are different. We can't keep the boundaries that they used to. Now, people can have multiple opinions on a subject, but this does not negate that there is truth. Although people may disagree as to who Jesus is, we come to the reality either he is risen from the dead and truly who he says he is, son of God, son of man, as he proclaimed in his ministry, or he is not. And If you confess with me that he is Lord, that he is our Savior, that we have been redeemed by him, then we are his subjects, and he is our king. This truth should be reflected in the way we breathe, the way we think, and how we live our short lives. For the king is returning, and he will judge both the living and the dead. Now, the word of God asks us a question. Can two walk together without agreeing where to go? Can two walk together without agreeing where to go? We know the answer to this question. Although we'd rather lie to ourselves, we'd be honest, instead of facing the facts. The answer is no. Two cannot walk together without agreeing. The world that we live in knows that. And yet, in the name of compromise, in the name of being seeker-sensitive, in the name of being nice, We see a weak and rotting church in the West that will not stand up for the gospel. Or we see a church that obscures the gospel with distractions that focus on making churchgoers comfortable instead of creating disciples for Jesus Christ. The word of our Lord says, the harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. And that remains true today. The harvest is plenty, but the workers are few. Church, unless this flock of Jesus Christ is of one mind, we cannot serve the Lord in unity in our one mission to love God by serving our neighbor. And if we do not agree that the gospel of Jesus Christ is worth dying to ourselves each and every morning, when we wake up and start living for Him, then our mission statement isn't worth the bulletin that it's printed on week after week. Do we love God? Then let's serve our neighbors. Paul continues in verse 7, But grace was given to each one of us. Grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, and Paul quotes from the psalm, When he ascended upon high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Indeed, when the Lord Jesus Christ resurrected from the dead, he led forth a host of captives. Those who were dead faithfully awaiting the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the Lord came, died for our sins, and was resurrected, the gates of heaven were open to us sinners, redeemed by a loving God. But did you also hear this, Church of the Good Shepherd? Did you hear this good news that each one of us, each one of us, you, me, the person sitting next to you, were given gifts of the Spirit of God according to Christ's good measure. You have been gifted through God's powerful Spirit. It is a promise that He gives to us in faith. And Paul continues in verse 9. In saying He ascended, what does it mean by that He also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that He might fill all things. There's that theme again, being worked out from chapter 1 and chapter 2, that Christ will fill and be Verse 11, and he gave us the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. So those who are called to minister to you are here for a reason. But what reason are they here for? Paul continues in verse 12, to equip the saints. That's you. Listen, sinner, that's you. You have been made a saint. By the glorious grace of Jesus Christ, but what he has accomplished in his ministry, what he has done on the cross to equip you, the saints, for what? Well, if you're being equipped, you're going on a mission. If you're being equipped, you're going somewhere. If you're getting climbing gear, you're going to the mountain to equip the saints for the work of ministry, building up the body of Christ. It's not limited to those who are ministers. it's for us, each one of us, to be equipped for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. And remember that building we heard from chapter one and chapter two is being built upon the cornerstone of Christ Jesus himself. And then upon the holy apostles, upon the prophets, the law, the prophets, the writings, the gospel of Jesus Christ, and then you and I, each one of us, brick by brick, building up, that kingdom of God. Until when? Until what? Verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. Praise God. We could end right there. But it's that building up the flock I want you to hear. The building up of the flock of God, the body of Jesus Christ, the church. Hear this encouraging word this morning. Hear it. Christ died for you, and he was raised from the dead. Why? So he could lavishingly, Pour out his gifts upon you so that we can now serve him as adopted sons of the king. He has loved you, and he continues loving you, and he calls you while we were yet sinners. But we are not to remain as spiritual babies. We are not to remain spiritually immature. We are not to remain as we were, but by God's grace, we're being made into something new being made into the likeness of Jesus Christ. Paul continues halfway through verse 13. You're being called to mature manhood, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. Did you hear that? You're being called to the measure, the stature of the fullness of Christ. And how full is Christ? Chapter 1, verse 23. Paul told the church, his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. That is the measure. That is the statue that we're called towards. The fullness of Christ Jesus, who in his love will fill all and in all. And he will fill you completely and wholly. Not part of you. He's not going to just tap you off like going to the gas station. I'll just need a little bit more. I've got ten bucks. Lord, just give me enough to fulfill my spiritual hunger, just to make it another hour or so. Christ Jesus is telling us he's going to fill us up completely. That he has delivered the down payment of the Holy Spirit to fill us, to change us. And it's a promise. I know many of you may not feel that here, feel it emotionally. But by faith and that graciousness of God Almighty, he has filled you up. And we are called now to be spiritually mature. So grow up, children of God. It's time to grow up. Let us stop acting like teenagers who complain about everything. And before you laugh at that, think about the children of God. Think about the Israelites in that first lesson, how they complained in our Old Testament lesson. They'd rather die by the hand of the Lord in slavery in Egypt because they long for eating meat and bread. They'd rather die as slaves in their sins so their bellies would be full. Now, Paul's letter to the Philippians rings true. Their end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and their glory is in their shame. Church, heed St. Paul's words for us today when he exhorts us in verse 14, so that we may no longer be children. We may no longer be children. Children don't remain children forever. Although as a parent, I sometimes wish that they would. You hate to see them growing up. You don't want them to leave. And I speak, admittedly, as a young parent. But i see the heartbreak that's coming but that's the way god intends it is for us to grow up into maturity to grow up and paul warns us why why must we be growing up from children into spiritual manhood as he puts it because in verse 14 if we don't then you are tossed to and fro by the waves And you're carried about by every wind of doctrine, by every wind of teaching, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Friends, knowing God is to know his word. Knowing his word begins by knowing his son, Jesus Christ, of which the entirety of the word of God is written. Not just the red letter, not just the New Testament, but the entirety of the word of God from Genesis to Revelation. Do you know him? Do you have faith in him? Do you trust him? Do you speak with him? Are you dependent upon him? Do you walk in his path in the way? Do you confront and conform your sinfulness and your errors to his truth? Do you pour out your priorities, your worries, and the care of your life to abide in his eternal life? I'll digress for a moment. In today's gospel reading, John's gospel, printing in your and the Israelites still want to simply have their bellies full. Jesus warns them. Jesus says that he knows why they're really there. Jesus is warning them and he's warning us that we are seeking Him to be fed in an earthly manner. But He wants to do so much more for us. As Jesus told them, do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And the people ask, Him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? And the eternal Son of God told them, this is the work of God that you believe in Him upon whom He has sent. You want the bread of life? You want to never hunger? Jesus tells them, I am the bread of life. And whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That means a lot to an Israelite who may not have known if the crops were going to come in. If the well was going to run dry. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall not thirst. And for us, we are blessed to live in a country where we don't experience, for the most part, hunger like they would have experienced. Instead, we have something on our bellies. But we have a spiritual hungerness just as deep and just as wide and just as dry is these ancient Israelites. And the only way that hunger will be fed, only way that thirst will be met, is through Jesus Christ himself. This is why doctrine matters. For as we hear in the liturgy, we're about to hear, and it's also in the articles of religion, we feast upon Christ, the bread of heaven, through the outward bread and wine that we see. In faith we receive his inward spiritual presence. But we don't know this unless... We search the Scriptures, and unless we grow into spiritual maturity. But how can we be discipled unless we submit to discipleship? How can we know the Word of God unless we read it? How can we understand it unless we are taught? It's For this reason, I urge each and every one of you to wake up 10 minutes early a day and spend 10 minutes for the Lord. If you're already doing that, add another 10 minutes. There will be distractions from phones, from smartwatches, from phone calls, from emails, from everything else. Pipes will burst. The AC will go out. You will become sleepy. And I kid you not, because quite frankly, the worst thing we can do in the eyes of Satan is to be faithful disciples of the word of God. And not just reading the word of God, but living the word of God, living the calling the calling, to be worthy of the calling, not to be worthy of our salvation, for we will never be worthy, but be worthy of the calling, for you have been called into marvelous light, not to cower in the darkness, but to be exposed by the light of God, to be filled with the light of God, and to be set atop as a lamp, being the light of God for all those in our lives. This is why doctrine matters. This is why teachings, that is what doctrine is, teaching. And I urge you all to wake up one hour early on Sundays and come with us, join us in Bible study. Learn the word of God. For unity in Christ's body requires unity in Christ's teaching, in his doctrine. Not the doctrine of man, but the doctrines of Christ. And doctrine, I know, is a dirty word, but without a map to guide you you will wander aimlessly in the wilderness, or worse, in rebellion to God. We have not only a map, but we have a compass. We have the Scripture as our map, and we have Jesus Christ as our compass. But without right teaching, we will not have right living. If you do not rest within the safety of God's ark, the church, then you will be tossed to and fro, by the waves and by the wind of the world, the flesh, and the devil. This is why I encourage you, join us in studying the Word. And this is why I urge, you: if you don't have a copy of the Book of Common Prayer, a tool of taking the Word of God and organizing it for prayer, I want you to tell me after church. If you're still embarrassed, you don't want to say it to me after church, email me, call me. I have a Book of Common Prayer for you. Same with the catechism. If you don't have one and you need one, tell me. It was freely given to us. It will be freely given to you. Honestly, I want you to tell me this. Because we're going to put a copy of each one into your hand. And I'm challenging you here today, show spiritual maturity. Start your devotions. Extend your devotion and prayer with the Lord. Show up to Bible study each week, week, and let's be built upon that foundation of the cornerstone of Jesus Christ. And let's start being disciples of Jesus by being discipled in the Holy Scripture. And we're going to start this next week by seeing how the Scriptures are organized in the Book of Common Prayer. How this is a tool for us, not to distract us from the Word, but to help us to be into the Word. And it's going to help lead discussions that are going to go to the Word of God, to understand the Word of God, and to be discipled by the Word of God. Why is this so important? Because Jesus told us as often as we meet together and we remember him eternally, we are fed eternally through his life, through the breaking of the bread, and through the wine that we are about to receive. And he also did something else. He commissioned us to go and to baptize others in the name of the Blessed Trinity. And then we forget this part. What else? Go and baptize the nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Go and make disciples and baptize. Go and make disciples. We cannot forget discipleship. And I'm afraid we have in the church for too long. Think about it. Our parents chastised us when we were growing up. Wake up. Get to school. We chastise our own children. Wake up. Get to school. Get ready. The Lord is now calling us to awake from our slumber, church, to awake from our slumber, and to be discipled by Him. Because the more we know him, the more we will see the gifts that he has given to each one of us. Gifts because we are part of his body, his church. Today's epistle concludes with verse 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint which is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Belonging to a church is not the same as participating as a living member of the church. A non-working limb that is limp, that is wounded, has been infected, is decaying, is gangrenous, must be cut off to save the body. And Jesus told us a, t- a parable on this, that a man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it, and he found none. And he said to the dresser, Look, for three years now, notice the patience, for three years now I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree, and I find none. Cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? Indeed, why should we use up the good soul?" the gospel of Jesus Christ? Why should we use up the ground of the church where we've been planted? We are called to bear fruit, and each one of us is a part of the body of Jesus Christ. Each one of us, not some of us, but all of us. We are called to work together as one body through the one Spirit to serve the one Lord, to spread the one faith by speaking the one truth in love. Father, make us your disciples. Give us a servant's heart like the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you again for joining us on the Anglican Church of the Good Shepherd Pelham, Alabama podcast. We hope that you'd visit us in person. We have Sunday worship uh, every Sunday at 1030 in the morning. And you can visit us on our website at www.goodshepherdacna.com or visit us on Facebook at Good Shepherd ACNA. Also, if you enjoy the podcast, please like, subscribe, and rate the podcast. It not only makes us feel better, but more importantly, it helps those who are searching for Anglican podcasts find podcasts like this one and other ones that are out there on the web. Thank you, God bless, and have a good one. The Lord be with you. And with thy spirit, lift up your hearts, we lift them up unto the Lord. Let us give thanks unto our Lord God, it is meet and right so to do.